This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Camp Skin. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fame success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V, and I don't have Corey tonight. I have a special guest. Uh, his name's Nate, but Nate, I want to give you the opportunity, the only opportunity you'll ever get to correct everybody on your name. Is it Nate Marquise or Marquise? It's Marquise. It's a hard K, hard K sound. You can choose. Did you want to be Marquise? <laughs> I, my uh, so growing up, kids called me Cheese in middle school. Uh, I actually got the uh, actually got the nickname. They would wear the uh, the Wisconsin cheese heads to my middle school basketball games to cheer me on. Oh. So uh, I'm used to Cheese, but the actual way I pronounce it is is Marquise. You could have you could have came on here, claimed your wife's name was Brie Marquise, and <laughs> I, you really uh, you missed an opportunity here. That's it. That's what I'm calling Tony. Nate here is a member of CFF team. He writes the coaching carousel articles that I, I quote from probably probably incorrectly, but I quote quite a bit in the offseason during our uh, conference preview series. Um, but he's here today. And look, no Corey, so we're not going to do a news section. And, you know, I got to be honest, guys, I'm a team member. I'm a teammate. I don't really want to take the news section from Corey. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to possibly do it better than him and make Corey feel like he contributes less to the team because he doesn't even contribute so much. He's a great team member. So I'm taking the um, the not lazy way of not doing the new section for you guys tonight. So um, Corey, though, Corey does have a new kid. He's a, he's a kid. Everyone's congratulated, Corey. Corey, Corey has a home field pair of shirts. He has kid. Nate, you have a couple of little ones too. Is that correct? I have one three-year-old daughter. And you have home field pair of shirts too. I do, of course. And, man. and Austin, Austin also has a kid now. He, I think he has home. Guys, look, I'm cooking up with the analytics guys in the back room. That home field apparel has a positive correlation to upping your romantic life. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, it's new year. All right, just get ready for it. Uh, with promo code 15% off, Campus, the number two in Canton, you get 15% off your first purchase of home field apparel. Don't miss out on the opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to up your romantic game. Everyone having kids, it's it's uh it's all rage. I don't have kids yet. I don't have a home field apparel shirt, so. <laughs> I think that might be the the second <laughs> reference of a, a sexual innuendo to home field apparel for some reason on the campus Canton uh, network. I, I want to say campus life also may have gone down that path in, in a different in a different way. But yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we're going to start with the portal reaction, guys, before we go into the coaching changes and uh, their possible aspects on the Debbie side here. Let's start off with just Dante Moore to Oregon. Look, we already got Dylan Gabriel to Oregon. I think he's just going to be sitting there behind Dylan Gabriel for one year, which is kind of odd starting out as a starter. But love the system. Uh, they lost um, – what's the head coach's name from Arizona State? Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham. Do you think that offense took a small step back from last year, or do you think it's it's still rolling and you're not worried about Dante Moore's future here? The Oregon offense? Yeah. No, nah, man, they were they were still cooking all season long. They, I mean, they were – you know they they had it going. Will Stein's a heck of an offense coordinator too. Yeah, they man they they look good. I'm not worried about it. The, the weird one to me though, the next ones are Will Rogers to to Washington. You know, I Will Rogers doesn't quite have the arm that Michael Penix does or the mobility. So this will be interesting how they're going to shape that offense. Although I I am a big fan of Kalen DeBoer. I think everyone is here, so there's really no worries here. But Will, Will Rogers is kind of an an odd one from a tool standpoint for me. Yeah, I think it's one that everybody is. It's like disappointed because we wanted a puzzle, you know, we wanted the piece of the puzzle to to be somebody else every time with with Washington, whether it was Malik Murphy 
or you know a handful of players have been projected there and then we get will rogers who's like the most vanilla player you could possibly come up with to land in that system but uh yeah. I, I mean Kalen DeBoer, he's uh you know he works his magic so it's it would not shock me if will rogers is solid i mean his floor is going to be really high that's for sure always has been that hasn't really yeah. changed at all uh, <laughs> <laughs> better system so maybe this is like a stock up for C- is this a stock up for cff purposes for will rogers like is it will rogers manager you're probably he has i mean he has nowhere to go but up i mean going from a mike leach system to whatever that was at mississippi state last year uh unfortunately without mike leach um yeah he's got nowhere to go but up now that he's joined kalen DeBoer and ryan grubb over there i think it's a i think it's a great combination and They've uh, they just consistently churn out high high producing quarterbacks. Yeah, let's head over to South Carolina. We get a pair here. I want to talk about Raheem Sanders, Jared Brown. Jared Brown's one of my favorite G five guys. A lot of like a true gadgety skill set here. I, I can hear it now. People are already saying the next Debo Samuel after like week one. He has two rushing attempts for twenty yards. You know, like it's, it's uh, <laughs> exciting for that one. And they always are dipping to the portal and finding success there. So I, I actually really am pretty excited about Jared Brown's potential for South Carolina. And then Raheem Sanders, running back from. Arkansas. Look, I laid out four steps for Raheem Sanders. He needs to uh, lose weight. He needs to get healthy, hit the transfer portal, find a better offensive line. Uh, he already failed at finding a better offensive line. So this is not <laughs> an upgrade. So I am actually very concerned now for Raheem. Um, any opinions on these two guys here? Maybe he does the other three, though. I mean, if you get three out of four, that can't be bad, right? I mean, if, if he if he does the other three, then he's basically where he was as 2022 Rocket Sanders, which, you know, was really productive at Arkansas behind a solid but not great offensive line but i'm with you jared jared brown does actually somewhat intrigue me there i I mean i don't know really what their offense is going to look like but uh, i thought he was a really good player at coastal carolina he's somebody that has some traits that i think could transition to that level um and and be mildly interesting anyways yeah and i'm also like a little concerned that's just a concern but like the quarterback portal, right? Like they've been rumored for KJJ. KJJ is not there yet. They've been rumored for AJ Swan, who just committed to LSU right. a couple hours ago. Um, so, like, am I taking this as a signal as them telling QBs like it's Lenora Sellers and you're going to be the backup and scaring away these veterans? Or like, what's your take on that? I thought when when so AJ Swan was like crystal ball to go there, and then they changed it last second as he's now at LSU. And that would have been perfect. If you're a seller, if you're a sellers fan, that's what you want. You know they need a quarterback. They they can't just have sellers and then basically right. uh Luke Doty, who's a wide receiver, trying to play quarterback. So get a guy in there that's got some experience, but it in no way is going to threaten uh Lenore Sellers. That's what AJ Swan was. So you just gotta hope that they land somebody like that. But if they get KJ Jefferson, then you're like, well. Crap! Now is Sellers going to be a backup again, and then we've got this whole situation like USC's got going yeah, on. Right guy gave it to KJJ first. Like he's got to be first up, and he's got a short leash, right. but like he's going to be the first one up. Right, right. Uh, head on over to to Louisville here. Corey Brooks and Colin Lacey have both committed to Louisville. I want to say I'm missing a guy out of this. I have to make another one, but Corey Brooks was the five star receiver from Louisville, or sorry, from Alabama. It's just been an absolute failure. He's been in the doghouse. I thought it was funny when the graphics I saw got released by one of the major companies was like eight touchdowns scored the last two years. And I was like, why don't you cut that down to last season? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you think, do you think it was like a doghouse situation for him in Alabama this year? I mean, the guy couldn't even get on the field. I mean, we're talking like five, six, seven snaps, most games. 
I, I don't think he's a separator, and I think that's what Nick Saban likes are these speedy separators. Like that's right. kind of the two traits he looks for. He's been a contested catch guy. I've always thought this. And he gave him a really fair shake. I thought like his freshman year, a little bit his sophomore year too. But um, right. I think kind of a doghouse, but like doghouse, and like he's not good to play in their system. So as far as like a skill set goes in like Louisville, um, like Tyler Hudson from like two seasons ago, like I could see him being like that type of player there. But like I, I'm also sitting here saying I don't know if he's better pedigree shirt but i don't know if he's better than chris bell like i think that's a legit positional battle between those two next year for whatever starting spot they're going to go for i think that's a I similar think, skill set i think that's fair yeah and i mean we've never really seen jeff Brom with a contested catch guy i mean david yeah. bell david bell is kind of more of a technician jamari thrash is a guy that can separate downfield but he's not a guy that's gonna you know go for 50 50 balls i mean that's just really not something we've seen from jeff Brom. so um I, I don't know what it's going to look like there, but Colin Lacey's uh, mildly interesting as well, too, similar to to Jared Brown, you know, stepping up in, in level of competition, but very productive at, at the lower level. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize this either. Like, Colin Lacey is like, his damage came on the ground. Like, his yak was 843 yards out of his 1,300 receiving yards. So he's mostly like, I, I put on some tape to write my big board wide receiver article for the draft, which I dropped as soon as the season's over. Obviously, like a lot of those things drop off, but um, like it's a short slant, like short slants, and letting him just create on his own as a runner. So, yeah, I, I think like at Louisville, like they love Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown loves like these these quarterbacks that aren't like you know arm talented to me. You know, they just kind of like get it out quick. But, so I, yeah. I feel like he's a really good scheme fit for them. I think he's the future for that program there. As far as like Debbie guy goes, I'm not really seeking it out, but I'm very excited for the CFF value here. Right, yeah, I, I could see him filling into that slot role and, and be kind of the the guy that works underneath and and could get you know six, seven, eight targets a game. Yeah, now, heading over to Ole Miss though, Juice Wells from South Carolina comes over to Ole Miss. Ole Miss also has Deion Smith, the LSU true freshman that broke year one zero roles and then had academic issues, found himself at the JUCO uh, route, uh, scoring a hundred, not scoring, excuse me. Producing 129 yards a game and almost, I think, one touchdown a game, too, as well, on the Juco field this year. So very vocal about Smith at Ole Miss. I think he visited Ole Miss three times in the season. So uh, he's, like, all out for Ole Miss. So I would love that one, two points. And I put down a name here just to mention because I'm probably going to write an article about him. Marquise Willis, the younger brother of Malik Willis, is also committed to Ole Miss from the Juco portal. His skill set was more similar to Trey Harris, where Trey Harris I don't think is a separator either, more of a, a jump bully ball type guy. But – I think the one-two punch here, Juice Wells, Deion Smith, and uh, probably Wells will be featured here. Have we heard of what Trey Harris's future holds? Is Has he announced or has he declared if he's leaving or coming back? Because, I mean, obviously that's a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen if he's also returning, plus you got preschool. And so I, I, haven't, I haven't noticed if he has made a declaration like it seems like Jackson Dart has pretty much made uh, that he's returning. I see an article here from Sports Illustrated a week ago saying Trey Harris announces his intent to return to Ole Miss. Yeah, man, that's a that's a a lot of a lot of receivers there with only one ball to go around. Not to mention, obviously, Judkins coming out of the backfield and he's improved as a as a receiver as well. So, uh, man, they're going to be they're going to be pretty dynamic next year. And think about all the 
all the portal defensive, uh, you know, players like Walter Nolan and, and the yeah. Prince guy from Florida. It seems like they are they're loading up to try to make a run at it this year. He said top twelve. We're gonna make it for sure. All right, <laughs> right. We're getting there. We're get, we're getting <laughs> in that expanded year. playoff. <laughs> yeah, Xavier um, Thomas. They were really big fan of him from uh, from this, but like from uh, Mississippi State. Going to LSU, I have zero comments on Xavier Thomas. I really just kind of put him down here just to say his name. Yeah. Um, I was kind of wondering why I was down there, but, uh, you know, but it's, it is a wide receiver room where somebody's got to step up. Right. I mean, we, we have to assume Malik neighbors gone, Brian yeah. Thomas gone. I mean, these, you know, these are guys that they're going to have, I expected them to be a lot more aggressive in the portal actually, and try to come away with, you know, one of these big names, like, like a juice Wells. I thought that would have been a great fit there. I am a little excited for Caleb Jackson, the running back there, true freshman. Sure. I'm like, maybe they're yeah. going to convert to a run first offense for a year. You know, they kind of do that to figure it out. Uh, yeah, so no, that's my I can do. So, right, I don't think that's fair. Right. Let's talk about your favorite though. Oklahoma got Deion Burks from uh from escaping me from Purdue. Are you excited Purdue. about that? Do you think he's going to fill in that like Marvin Mims role? Because I kind of that's kind of where I was kind of putting him in my head. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out what their plan is for him because I, I I do think he's really talented. He's kind of got that running back build. You know, he's right around five eleven, six foot, but kind of stockier for a wide receiver. Breaks tackles, you know, that type of thing. He played like 92% on the boundary last year at Purdue, but the year before he played primarily in the slot. So it seems like he's versatile enough where they could kind of plug him in wherever they see fit. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of boundary wide receivers there with uh, assuming, assuming Farouk comes back. Um, and then they got Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. Uh, I think maybe they try to slide him into the slot and compete with uh, Jaquezi Petaway as kind of the, the next slot guy there. Be my guess yeah. anyways. Yeah, Jaquez Pedaway too, you guys. If you're a manager for Jaquez Pedaway, he beat all the year one zero molds in one game with Jackson Arnold. He caught yeah. ten of his eleven like little dunk off ones. Uh, yeah, it was interesting to see. As soon as Arnold came in, it was like bam, bam, bam. I'm going to Pedaway all all the way down the field. So they they must have some kind of uh, chemistry there for sure. Yeah, roommates or something. I don't know, but but yeah, I, I am not I'm not a Pedaway fan even watching those eleven touches. But yeah. Uh, going over to Matthew Golden to Texas. I love this fight. I love Quinn. I think Quinn's a great passer. Does, gets a little bit, gets a little scrutinized because he's he's always put up at the top there. But I, I would love this combo with Golden, Jonte Cook. A little nervous though. We talked about Ole Miss having too many cooks in the kitchen here. Like, what if AD Mitchell comes back too? Because I think that's up in the air. Um, so having too many mouths to feed is there's always be some cannibalism there. So a little bit worried about the trio there. If that's yeah. The yeah, the decision that Mitchell makes, I think, is going to really impact what it looks like for Matthew Golden and his production next year. And I don't think Texas is done in the portal. I mean, they've been linked to so many different wide receivers already. Um, it it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in another guy and they just assume Mitchell's off to the NFL with Worthy. Yeah, and Nayor's in the portal. I put that in the player movement right before we went live. I was like, no one's mentioned this because we've we've talked about Isaiah Nayor in the past, but he's also in the portal. Um, going over to USC, Malachi Nelson's officially in the portal. This was kind of a shock here. Clearly to me, like I'm reading this, I'm reading the TV's here. This is them saying they're not confident in Nelson starting next year and him saying he wants to start somewhere. So I imagine he changed somewhere he wants to start. Uh, and Will Howard hasn't committed yet, but that's, you know, that's where everyone's kind of assuming right now. It's going to go to Will Howard for a year. Right. So. Yeah. As a Will Howard truther, I am here to say, like, I, okay, first off, I think Will Howard actually has NFL tools. I'm very excited about him. He, when he's healthy, he really shows he's great. He's great when he's healthy and everyone, like, dogs him when he's injured. He got injured in the middle of the season this year, and they're like, oh, he lost touches to Avery Johnson. He was hurt. 
He hurt his ankle. They had a bye week. He missed a week. Came back early. They gave Avery Johnson a run when he came back early. And then after that week, it was all back to just being him. I like Will Howard. I'm very excited about Lincoln Riley QBs here. Everyone else is too. I'm 100% with you, man. We got two Will Howard truthers on the pot at the same time, man. I, I like Will Howard a lot. And I think that, uh, I think, for instance, like, you know, a lot of people are comparing this or, or want to think of this as like a vanilla move similar to like Will Rogers, uh, you know, heading over to Washington. Well, we don't want, we don't want Will, ha- I mean, we, we don't want uh, Howard to be the, the quarterback for Lincoln Riley. And I'm like, dude, everything he touches turns to gold. It just so happens he doesn't want to touch Malachi Nelson for 2024 heading into the Big Ten tournament or Big Ten uh, conference change. So uh, I'm actually fairly excited and and think that Will Howard could be, you know, like a, a top probably 15 to 20 CFF quarterback next season under Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, that's what he does. He was QB nine before injury. So that was, you know, I, I can believe that. Yeah. I'm down for that. And he like, he gets better weapons too. Like he was thrown into Philip Brooks and Garcia. Like right. he gets upgraded weapons to better system. And But I think you're, I think your assessment on Malachi Nelson's probably right. It's just, it, this doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Doesn't mean he's not going to be great mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but it does seem to indicate that Lincoln Riley does not think he's ready at this point. And, and they face LSU and Michigan in two of their first three games next year. I think that's what's got Lincoln a little terrified here. And Nelson, too, last year, he had that shoulder injury he was recovering from. I do remember right. in the summer they were saying he was like, I think he said it himself, too, or he's like 80%. So right. and I, I get scared. I'm, I'm probably going to follow this a little bit closer this year than I did this, pro- well, this year coming up than I did this last year. I'm nervous when players are injured coming into high school. Like that first year of transition, like that's a gameplay transition. Like when they miss that first year, I get really nervous. So like Jurion Dickey and Cordell Russell, we both year one zeros. Like those guys, like they they early enrolled, but like they really weren't on the field because they were hurt right. recovering. Uh, Nelson's the same way. So I, I'm just nervous when guys, even in the NFL level, like Jameson Williams, like he missed his whole first year and then for six weeks of the game. Like I'm nervous about the transition when those guys miss their first year in the system. But yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's think, great. You think Ohio State? Ohio State still doesn't doesn't have anybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would think Ohio State, maybe Miami, if they swing and miss on Cam Ward. Um, KJ Jefferson's been kind of rumored to Miami already uh, in day one of him being in the portal. But um, you know, I I think he's going to want to land at a high profile spot. But he's also, I assume, he's going to want to be a starter. And I mean, I don't know that he's a shoe in to start at Ohio State, but maybe yeah. it feels that way. I also wonder too, without Ohio State grabbing a QB yet, like if they're trying to like be like, well, we want to see our younger guys in the bowl game. I wonder if that's like what they're trying to tell people. And yeah, the maybe backs in the portal are not okay with that. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they look. Uh, so just not on this list, but Nate in general, like of course you follow G five schools way more than I do. The Mac, the Sun Belt. Is there like one guy that you're just really gravitating towards, like? You know, because we know the history of them going up. Like Elijah Spencer did not work out for Minnesota. Uh, Kanana Munkle did not work out for Pitt. Is there one G5 guy or two or three that you have the <laughs> utmost confidence in in transitioning to the, to the power five? Um, I wouldn't say that I would have the utmost confidence because I'm with you. I, I'm really hesitant on guys moving up to the P5. We just we have a lot of more data now than we did a couple of years ago about how difficult that is and how rare it is for these guys to really step up. I mean, Jamari Thrash looked really good early on before he got banged up at, at Louisville. 
but um, you know, not everybody is is going to be able to make that jump. Somebody that I did really like last year that got really bad quarterback play for the most part and still really thrived was Eric McAllister, who's transferring from Boise over to TCU is where he got announced to, which was assumed the day he had entered the portal. They're like, yep, TCU got him. So um, they clearly wanted him. Um, he, he was, you know, an all-conference receiver there in the Mountain West, put up some big numbers with Taylor Green being really pretty average for the most part, and yet he still uh, performed well. So that, that, would be, that would be my guy. Okay. I like that. Let's head over to the coaching changes. Uh, we're going to start with the SEC. We're talking about Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is finally out of here. I'm so pumped about that. Honestly. I'm such a Jimbo Fisher hater. Um, but they bring over the Duke uh, coach, Mike Elko, who's kind of turned like poop into gold over there. Like, that's been a kind of forgotten program until he showed up last year with uh, Riley Leonard. Uh, and they also bring in the Kansas State, Will Howard. Will Howard's offensive coordinator, uh, Colin Stein or Colin Klein. Sorry, that I, I that I accuse of looking like our own Colin Decker, and Colin Decker did not like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> so Duke head coach Mike Elko and the offensive coordinator for Kansas State, Colin Klein. Yeah, no, I uh, Dave Texas A&M's kind of screwed this up for years. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was not a great hire, despite the fact that he did have a championship under his belt. Uh, from his time at Florida State, but um, the guy refused to make any changes. I I really dig the hire. Elko has shown the the willingness to hire some really good offensive coordinators. He did it with Kevin Johns there at Duke, turned that offense around really quick, made Riley Leonard look pretty good. And uh, I'm a big fan of Colin Klein. I think uh, we've already talked about how he's made Will Howard look. Um, you know, I, I think that Colin Klein can – be somebody that makes Connor Wegman, you know, be the player that we've kind of hoped he would be when, and he's shown at times just hasn't been able to be healthy. So like that for him. And uh, he's a guy that's proven he'll, he'll have a workhorse running back. So I kind of like this for Ruben Owens as well, too, if there's good, you know, spring buzz on how he looks, I think that's uh, the two players that I'd be targeting the most. You like Ruben Owens over Lev Moss to be the lead running back. Oh, I, I don't think Lev Moss is anything special whatsoever. 100% like him over Le'Veon Moss. Okay. Le'Veon Moss yeah. is one of the one of the, the guys that um, I faded the most based off of where he was where he was ranked coming out of high school. You know, I mean borderline, you know, top five, six, seven type running back. And I watched his tape, I'm like, I don't see it. And uh, I still haven't seen it in college. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like Ruben Owens to, to kind of have a, a nice breakout season. Okay. I'm the opposite. I think Ruben Owens is I, exactly how you feel about Lev Moss. That's how I feel about Ruben Owens. Uh, so this is very funny. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a good battle then this season. Yeah. We'll see. We'll do, you, see. do you think Evan Stewart's going to hit the portal? I think he just wants his money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I Somebody pay that man his money. <laughs> Uh, I would be surprised. I think he's got to be excited for it. He's got to feel good about his NFL prospects. So even though you get the money now, I think financially has to be like um, set up for later. I thought it was interesting. I read a, an article from Chris Hummer uh, today. We're recording on the, on the 18th, but I read an article from Chris Hummer today that was like all of the notes on guys that had just hit the portal. And he included Evan Stewart. And he's like, I know he's not in the portal yet but I really want to talk about this guy. So it just led me to believe like, dude, Chris Hummer's in the know. He's, he's got indications. This, this is happening before too long. This is, that's interesting. Cause I was, um, 
I'm going to say this earlier, but like going into like going into the year, like going into uh, the 2024 season, I'll, I'll have zero tier one QBs going into it. Uh, they'll all be tier two for me. So like as a top tier wide receiver going into the portal, I feel like it can't be looking too good. Like what quarterback you want to go to? Like, there's no Drake May out there. There's no like Caleb Williams. Like he already has um, Connor Wegman. Like there's there really is like as far as like. I don't know why he'd want to leave. It just doesn't look to me out there. It does not look good for the wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's, it's, uh, it would definitely be a difficult decision on where he would end up. I'd be curious. It, again, LSU, it, it would seem like a good fit. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's a good one. Although, like, Garrett Dustman, we haven't seen him. It was, it's like we're going to year four, year five. And we haven't seen like a yeah. game from him. So that's fair. I think, I think that's super risky. And they took AJ Swan. Like, I mean, Good for AJ Swan, but I don't really know if I believe in all that. Yeah. Uh, heading over to Arkansas, though, Bobby Petrino, the former Texas A&M offensive coordinator, gets reunited with Arkansas. He was only gone for one year. Also, was he the one actually calling players, or was Jimbo Fisher just doing his own thing over there? Jimbo kept claiming that it was it was Petrino the one making the calls. So, um, but he, <laughs> he probably he probably did it kicking and screaming the whole way. But yeah. Did you see Petrino's like uh, talking about Jimbo's like stuff? Like this is so complicated. Like I had to ask what was going on. Like, Did you see that? Like no, I didn't. He was talking about Jimbo's like playbook. He's like, this is insane. That's so perfect. Yeah, that is perfect for Jimbo. Okay, so Bobby's back at Arkansas, who's had their worst year. I feel like that's been in a while. So how do you feel about Bobby Petrino reuniting with Arkansas, who's like going through a, like a rebrand? I don't know if I want to call it a rebuild or a rebrand, but one of those two things. Dude, I Bobby Petrino in Fayetteville 2.0. I'm I'm totally here for it. I hope he doesn't crash and burn literally like he did last time he was in Arkansas because <laughs> it was just one of the best exits uh, a coach has ever made on his, uh, you know, his uh, way of getting fired there. But I I think it I think it should work. I mean, A&M was actually when when Wegman was healthy and even at times with Max Johnson and and even at times with the uh, the third string guy Henderson that they got from um Fresno State or whatever I mean they actually made it work uh, despite all the dysfunction despite the fact that nothing with Petrino and Jimbo meshed together so I kind of like it um and Sam Pittman's like so much on the hot seat he's just kind of like Screw it. Let's just let's just let it fly. Let's see what happens. Let's run it back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got Taylor Green out of the portal from from Boise State, which yeah. I mean, I've already already commented on. You know how I think he's a pretty limited passer, but um, you know this is the guy that did Bobby Petrino coach Lamar Jackson, and I mean Taylor Green's kind of a very very poor man's Lamar Jackson. So why not? Let's see what happens. Yeah, last week we talked about him being a skinny version of KJJ. I think they just played. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Run. Yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, they need some wide play. receivers, though. They need some. It wouldn't shock me if Ben Urosek ends up there at uh, Arkansas. Oh. His, the tight ends coach, I believe, at Arkansas now, or, or whoever was Urosek's tight end coach at Stanford is yeah. now at Arkansas. So there's lots of ties there. I like that. I've always thought that he just got really unlucky with just the school falling around around him, falling apart around him. I think he's a, I think he's an interesting guy for next year's class. Yeah. Head over to Mississippi State. We got Jeff Levy coming over from Oklahoma, for Oklahoma, offensive coordinator here. They added Blake Shapen in the portal. I have not seen them grab any. I'm trying to remember. I have not seen them grab any wide receivers, which I think is funny that they don't want Blake Shapen going to. Them. 
Yeah, they uh, the wide receiver I've seen linked to them is actually a guy from UTEP. Um, I, I will butcher uh, his name. Smith or the no, 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 no. The, the other guy that, that that I would butcher his name if I if I try to uh, try to pronounce it, but. A uh, guy that had a lot of drop issues, but um, can can get behind the defense pretty frequently, which is really all Jeff Lebby wants. Just run really fast in a straight line, and hopefully you catch the ball. So, um, yeah, I mean it could be fun, man. Get the get the Bryles veer and shoot system there at Mississippi State. You know, it's why not? I mean, he's they uh, he does a really good job of recruiting quarterbacks. They already pulled uh, Michael Van Buren, who was committed to Oregon. He, Jeff Lebby was able within two weeks of taking that job, flip him from Oregon to Mississippi State. So uh, that's I think that's bodes well for at least the future of that program. And Jeff Lebby came from Ole Miss, right? So, or from before? He was at Oklahoma. It was at Ole Miss before Oklahoma. Yeah, he was he was briefly with um, Josh Heupel at Central Florida. Uh, during the pandemic season 2020. Then he spent 21 with Ole Miss uh, working under Lane Kiffin uh, with Matt Corral as the quarterback. And then he spent two years at Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel as and his quarterback for, there. For wide receivers, though, he had what Elijah Moore would probably have a major hand in two for right. uh, yep. Ole Miss and then Marvin Mims. So this should be or could be, could be, it's Mississippi State, could be a very nice uh Debbie spot here for uh for wide receivers yeah they gotta get some bodies over there right now I just don't think they got the players to no. for for shaping to even be that productive right now no and I I like I I love Mike Leach the person but he was not like his wide receivers were very robotic they weren't you know sure they, they have to do with one thing where they weren't diverse or skilled um anyway let's head on over to Colorado uh I just want to talk about this because Sean Lewis, we all love Sean Lewis. He's going to San Diego State here, but he leads, right? And he was probably, I think, what all of us contributed to the success, the early season success was to Sean Lewis before um, they put him in the backseat to Pat Shermer, failed NFL head coach. Right. So how are you feeling about Colorado's offense without Sean Lewis? Man, I don't know. It's one of those where I like the pieces. Um, you know, I don't like – the offensive coordinator that's trying to manage those pieces. You know, I, I think Sanders is a really solid quarterback. He proved that last year and they've got some nice wide receiver, you know, options between Hunter and Horn and Will Shepard. Um, you mentioned Cordell Russell, you know, those types of guys that they have able to, to get out of the transfer portal, I think are solid players, but man, if you don't have an offensive line that can protect your quarterback and you don't have a coordinator that can hide, you know, the the very flawed offensive line that you have, then you're kind of toast. Um, so I uh, I definitely liked it a lot better when Sean Lewis was the one calling the shots on offense. Yeah, it's tough. I saw the graphic. I think on three put out their entire offensive line. They had two guys from Indiana, and I uh, I think it was on. Um... One of them already flipped. Oregon flipped him today. Uh, oh. The better the better tackle from Indiana. So he he called it his quote final commitment is what he put out on uh, on on X uh, is how he labeled it. But yeah, he already he already flipped to Oregon. So they're they're still trying to dig out of that hole. 
I was going to say that because the CDC winning edge has like Indiana's offensive lineup lower rated than Colorado's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even a great upgrade to begin with. Are you a Shador Sanders gang? Do you like Shador? No, no, no. No. I I thought, I I remember watching the spring game and I was like, all right, he's got really good ball placement when the player is open, but just lacks like the anticipation. Like he doesn't like visualize stuff. And then um, he's not overly athletic. Like people want to say it's athletic. I'm like, he can escape the pocket, but like he's not athletic. So I, He's, he's a guy that needs to see it. He doesn't have, like, that natural sixth sense feel that we, like, see our, our NFL QBs have for it. So, I, when he's kept clean, I think he's phenomenal. But, like, he's not gonna that's, be a kept clean. Right. Yeah, that's a lot to ask this offensive line to do. Um, yeah, so uh, we mentioned Will Shepard and Cordell Russell coming in there. Will Shepard from Vandy. Will Shepard, I think, is a fine boundary guy. I don't think he's anything special. Cordell was a very high-rated guy for us, very freaky athlete, double catcher. Um, but... I think, I think he's just going to lose out to Will, Will Shepard. I mean, he showed out like, you know, that's the same position group. He's going to lose to Will Shepard and just sit for another year. It does It does seem like it's kind of plug-and-play Will Shepard um, for uh, – gosh, what was the name of the guy they lost uh, to to the draft? Xavier Weaver. Weaver. I, yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's actually declared or not yet. He's out. He's out of eligibility. He's one of like seven seven players in college football that are officially out of eligibility. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like a, it seems like a plug and play that that Shepard could kind of take on that boundary role. And I don't know. I'm so curious to see what they do with Travis Hunter because part of me is like, is someday Dion's just going to be like, you know what? He's just going to be a full time cornerback, and all of us are going to be pissed off and throw our hands up. But at the same time, I watch him play cornerback and wide receiver i'm like i don't know maybe he's just a better wide receiver so i, I think so I'm, okay this is a fancy show so it's a little bit biased so i would love right. to wide receiver but like he can't handle boldly boldly wide receivers he get like he get destroyed by iron right yeah. He, yeah these bigger guys that play that bully style ball like he can't compete like he makes really good reads but he can't he can't compete on a physical level yeah, I wonder if there's I wonder if there's really anybody in the in the Big Twelve this year uh, that that can play kind of that bully ball against him because I don't know, but it's I, I hope they continue to run him out there on offense because I've I've been fairly impressed with with what I've seen. He's he's kind of a chess piece that they can move inside out and and that type of thing, get him the ball deep and behind the line of scrimmage. So fun player. Yeah, I think he would be a consensus top ten wide receiver for us on the Debbie team if he moved over to wide receiver. Yeah, uh, a few of us are far more bullish about it, but I, I think his moving abilities out there with Darius Tony, but without the attitude or health or hands issues. So, without those three things, I'm pretty on board. Uh, let's head over to Arizona State. They hired the former UNLV head coach Marcus uh, Arre- Ar- Arroyo Arroyo uh, as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach here. I like this call it's is it gonna be dillingham's offense so it's gonna be one of those things where like they hire him but it's really dillingham's offense or yeah yeah i think that's exactly what it's gonna be okay. yeah I'm it's starting, Go ahead. i'm starting to pick up on those type of situations where they hire him and it's like he's just a face he's not yeah yeah uh arroyo is known as as a as a pretty good recruiter actually i mean he spent a lot of time with mario cristobal um at, during his time at oregon um so i i think this is this is kind of like, hey, you got experience. Um, come, come recruit. Come manage the offense. I'm gonna call the plays. Don't manage too much, and uh, let me do my thing. And I think more than anything, I'm just really intrigued by this team in the spring because we've now got what I think could be a fun quarterback battle between Jaden yes. Rashada and yes. Sam Levitt. Are you a Levitt guy or are you Rashada guy? 
I was Levitt uh, before. Yeah, Team, team like, Levitt, yes. Yeah, I was I was a Levitt guy as a recruit. Um, obviously, Rashada got some on-field time here, but I think that I think you know I, I love big was a big boomer who does all those graphics for yeah, college yeah, football. Big game, okay, big I, game I love his stuff. He gets my blood boiling every time he drops <laughs> a graphic because it's you know I'll agree with eighty percent, but I'm focused on that twenty percent I absolutely hate. <laughs> And then uh, he'll post like a, a BS quarterback graphic. He's like, this is a quarterback battle. This could be like 100 battles. And you're right. like, these aren't battles. There's so maybe 10 out here. But I do believe Sam Levitt with Jaden Rashada will be a legit quarterback battle. And I would love to be attached to a Kenny Dillingham quarterback. Yeah, Levitt's one of those guys. Um, you know, I mean, I, I tried to watch as much tape on the quarterbacks coming out last year as I could because it was such a, you know, a nice quarterback class. And Levitt was one of those guys that really stood out to me. And I'm like, why are you going to Michigan State to play under Mel Tucker and that garbage offense that he's got there when, you know, he's kind of a West Coast guy. So I like I like the pairing with Dillingham. Um, I think Rashad has got a leg up, but I mean, he didn't play that much last year. You know, I mean, it's it's not that big of a leg up. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like. And, and they got Jordan Tyson that, that should be healthy next year, wide receiver. So, and they're going to continue just to kind of scour the portal and bring in anybody they can to come, you know, try to help with how bad the, the talent was there whenever Dillingham took over. Cause it was, it was a disaster. Reflecting on this year, do you think like first year system Dillingham, were you disappointed? I, I don't really know that later. No, okay, I was I not. Either. Yeah, no, this was one of those where I'm like, I'm like watching the games and I mean, they're literally like starting walk on left tackles, uh, you know, going up against Utah. And I'm like, what the hell do you want them to do? I mean, they're going to, they're going to get their brains beat in uh, by actual legit defensive lines, but like they would go up against teams like Colorado and Stanford and, and, you know, teams like that. And they would actually look competitive, you know, I mean, they took USC to the wire and look competitive at times against like Washington and stuff like that. So no, I, I, I liked what I saw from him last year. I think, I think you have to be um, kind of bullish on what you, what you saw from Dilly. Yeah, no, I, I'm okay. So I thought so too. I know like record wise, not excited, but from right. things that I saw, I was like, you know, this is better than what we thought they were going to do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Heading, heading over to Houston though. They hired Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz. Willie Fritz has been 23 and four over the last two seasons at Tulane. He's won the AAC title and defeated UN, USC at the uh, last year's New Year's Six Bowl. Gave rise to Ty J. Spears. Um, and then, obviously, uh, the quarterback, Michael Pratt, is heading off to the NFL. He's uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he made that official yet, but he's got his his senior bowl already like accepted. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about, about Michael Pratt there. But Houston, how do you feel about Willie Fritz going over to Houston? I mean, from a football perspective, I think it's a great hire. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I hate – I hate it anytime that Dana Holgerson loses his job because I, I love Dana Holgerson because I know exactly what I'm going to get out of Dana Holgerson. I'm going to take the quarterback. I'm going to take, you know, one, maybe two wide receivers. I'm going to absolutely punt on running back with him every time. And I'm not even going to pretend he even has a tight end. So um, I love, I love Dana for that, but Willie Fritz is a little bit, he's a little bit harder to figure out. Um, and it's going to be even more challenging this year because Willie Fritz has had some of his better years uh, the last couple of years with Michael Pratt as his QB. He had a guy named Slade Nagel be the offensive coordinator over there. And Slade's really good. But for some reason, Slade said he was going to take the job as the offensive coordinator with Fritz again at Houston and then decided just in the last week, never mind, I'm not. I'm going to explore my options. 
And so Willie Fritz hired uh, Kevin Barbet, who was the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State last year. And if you saw Mississippi State playing football last year, then that that doesn't exactly, um, you know, get you all warm and fuzzy. But he was he was the offensive coordinator and play caller under Lou Nichols a couple years ago when Nichols had that monster season for Central Michigan was like CFF running back one and all that. So this is probably wheels up for the run game. I, I don't know what the the past game is going to look like at Houston. I haven't even yeah. heard of I haven't even heard of Donovan Smith is coming back or what his situation well, is. Well, he shouldn't, dude. He shouldn't come back. He was all <laughs> favorite. It was so bad. It was so he's, bad. He's a G five quarterback for sure. He need, oh. he needs to I don't know talk to Texas State or or send something. Send him like to that. Cal Poly and join Sam. Is, is Sam Brown still like guy eligibility there? I assume he'd probably be the last year one if he. He does. There was. There was rumors that he was going to hit the portal, but I don't know if anything ever became official that he did because uh, it was supposed to be him and um, and uh, Matthew Golden were both going to go to the portal, but he he never did. So I assume he's still there. They they, they have a Tulane had a really good uh, wide receiver this past year. Yes. Um, what was his name? Uh, Brazel. Um, I can't. Yeah, something. Yeah. Bra- oh, uh, I got here. Chris Brazel the second. Brazel. Yeah. So he. He's in the portal, I did, but he's been kind of linked to some other kind of big time P four type programs. So I don't, I don't know if he's going to actually follow him over to Houston, but could be a little intriguing if he does. But I'm kind of out on Kevin Barbe wide receivers, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm waiting and seeing on this one. I really am. I'm a little nervous. I like Willie Fritz, the coach, like as like a fan, but like not for fantasy. But I like Willie Fritz. Yeah, the coach. yeah, I'm with you there too. And over to Baylor, Jake Spavadol from Cal. I've watched way too much Cal football the last like two years. I've been a big fan of Jeremiah Hunter. Want okay. to see him like? I, I just I just want to see him succeed. I just want to see him succeed. And I know Cal rotates through quarterbacks. It's like they're on their like their fourth or fifth quarterback now in the last two years. And like they've gone, they're just a revolving door and it pisses me off. But I'm watching Cal football. And I don't know why I'm rooting for them to put it together. Anyway, Jake Spavadol. Are you excited about this? And they also just got Daquan Finn out of the portal for Baylor. Right. Should we do we need to I think we first need to pour one out for Felix because uh he was the the world's biggest fan of the previous offensive coordinator, uh Grimes there oh, at, Grimes, at yeah. uh Baylor that just got fired. Uh which he he showed up at Kansas. He got a job there, so he's he's oh. replacing Colton Nicky. But um yeah, I mean, Spavadol proved me wrong. I mean, I, I, I was one of the most vocal, um, I guess, haters, you should say, at, for what Cal did hiring him last year. I, I don't think Spavadol was a very good offensive coordinator. Before that, he took Texas State into the just absolute dump. Um, but I, I think that he kind of proved me wrong last year. So I I, I like I kind of like Daquan Finn there. I think he could have landed a way worse spots, and I, I don't mind Spavadol if he can kind of replicate what he did at Cal. So it's it's mildly intriguing to me, yeah. Yeah, I I thought he made Jack Plummer look serviceable. I thought he kind of saved Jack Plummer's collegiate career last year. And then um, – No, not Plummer. Plummer was at uh, Louisville last year. No, it wasn't. It was at Cal. Well, this Louisville was his first year this year. Oh, I'm sorry. When you said last year, I thought you were talking about this this past no. season. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know when to switch over. Like everyone's saying power four. I still haven't started saying power four yet. I don't know when I'm supposed to start calling it power four. <laughs> but Spavadol never he but he still he never coached uh Plummer because this oh, was Spavadol's just, first season. Yeah. But he looked good wow. with I mean he looked good with Fernando Mendoza, who was <laughs> a yeah. walk on a walk on quarterback there uh for Cal who replaced Sam Jackson. So and Finley too for like whatever like two games there. Right, yeah, that was a, a weird quarterback situation they had there. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by DeQuan. Did you like DeQuan Finn or any? Did you watch catch any of his his stuff when he was at Toledo? I did. I thought he's a really good G five QB. See, he reminds you talk about skinny KJJ. He he was G five KJJ to me. KJ Jefferson. That's what he reminded me of. I, I don't think he translates well. I am very worried about him. I'm not on the Quan Finn train. I just, you know, I'm scarred because I was pumping up uh, Grant Wells from Marshall, AAC quarterback, two years in a row. And I'm like, dude, if he can do that two years in a row to AAC, then he goes over to ACC, I'm like, he can probably be just fine. And those defenses aren't that good. And he was he was horrendous. Dude, it could be worse. Him. You it could be worse. You could have been the Colin Schley guy. The guy, the guy that was hyping him up, <laughs> which is which is probably a better comp for uh, for Finn and his transition because Schley went from the MAC to uh, you know to the Pac-12. So yeah, yeah. So I'm worried here, and I don't I don't know enough about Baylor's system anymore. I was paying attention last year when they had like Rich Reese was kind of popping off for a little bit there, and um, Monterey Baldwin, but like it's yeah, and Ben Sims too. I like I like Ben Sims. So I no, I I don't really believe in him. I think. Uh, I, I just missed, I've been scarred by G5 QBs. I don't think it's too many G5 QBs to transition well. Like I can't think of them all. Yeah. The um, no, there, there really, there really haven't been, really haven't been a lot. No. Yeah. It's hard, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, yeah. Let's head on over to Indiana. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Signetti, head coach from James Madison. We're going to talk about a little bit. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about them next. Uh, I think there's some G5 schools that deserve to be like power five recognized. They know what they're doing. They create like good talent. I'm talking about like SMU there for a couple of years, putting out Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, Rasheed Rice, uh, Danny Gray was a third rounder. Didn't really work out. James Prochet was a sixth rounder. Like there are some G5 Cincinnati. Anyway, there's some G5 programs that they deserve recognition more than they're getting. But I thought JMU was on that route with Chris Ignetti because two years in a row, they looked phenomenal. They've made, they helped make Juice Wells for transfer to South, South Carolina. I'm yep. a really big fan of Elijah Surratt, who is now in the portal. And I'm assuming he's going to go follow Kirsten Eddie over to Indiana. It hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. But uh, Kirsten Eddie at, at Indiana, like I'm, I'm kind of excited to see if he turns him around. I like it. I think it's a great hire, man. Indiana is like one of the, you know, it's it's one of the harder spots to find a uh you know to to be successful it's just it's a tough spot to be in but i think this is a good hire because he did absolutely crush it at jmu and um you know they got curtis rourke which we just talked about mac to uh to to the to the p4 level here a little a little nervous and i've been a curtis rourke fan so i'm 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 hoping that i don't do the same thing i blew with colin schley here but uh, I think Signetti's a great coach, and I think this is about as good as Indiana could do as far as a hire. And he's he's fantasy relevant, man. This guy, his quarterbacks, the dude was fantasy relevant with Todd Sinteo as his yep. quarterback two years ago and Jordan McLeod last year. These guys were horrible in their previous jobs in the G5, and he actually made them like 
top 15 CFF quarterbacks. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should still be a little bullish on, on Curtis Burke. They, Devin McCauley pulled his name out of the portal. He withdrew. So yeah. Back in school. Cam Camper, though, is in the portal, uh, a name from last year. Gosh, um, can't, that's another guy. It's like, man, yeah, he's got eligibility left. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I still think they grab a guy. If Elijah Sirot goes, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm I'm with you. That'd be really fun if Sirot followed him over there. I would love that. I feel like they'd always be losing the guy after the ball. Anyway, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be pretty excited about that, the game script yeah. there. Um, yeah, let's absolutely. Just, we're going to jump a little bit. We're going to go back to his name. So we're going to jump down to JMU, though. So Chris and Eddie leaves. JMU names the Holy Cross's Bob Chesney as the school's next head coach. Chesney has been one of the top SCS coaches in the country. He led Holy Cross to four SCS playoffers with his six seasons as head coach. That's huge. And that also included four hour executive uh, Patriot League championships from 2019 to 2020. And Holy Cross has been some of these SCS coaches that just come up have, have been like really good discounts for the power five programs to bring in. So do you think Bob Chesney kind of follows those footsteps of the SCS head coaches to just bring over their system and just turn it all around? Oh, she said turn around because James has been pretty good. But right. do you think they see the beat? I, uh, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about some of the FCS coaches or anything like that, but I lean on Nicholas, Ian Allen and, and Moxley. Chris Moxley knows a lot about some of those guys too. They, they seem to be a pretty bullish on this hire. They think it's, they think it's pretty good. This guy, Chesney, at, at Holy Cross had a quarterback that hit the portal before he even took this job. Matt Saluka, his quarterback, hit the portal, and he was like one of the better quarterbacks in the FCS. So you would think Jordan McLeod is now in the portal for JMU, that that would be a natural transition to, to have the quarterback follow him there. So um, somewhat intriguing if he does, and that plays out, but I honestly don't know a whole lot about his system or, or what they've looked like in the past at Holy Cross. All right. Do you know who the next wide receiver up is there, right? I, I think Strauss in the portal. The other guy is Str- out of eligibility. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I don't. I'll have to I'll have to dig a little bit deeper on that. Once Sarah hit the portal, I was like, well, crap. I don't I don't know where to go now with, with that pass game. Interesting. Let's go over to Penn State. Penn State's good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna mess up. You know how to say his last name, Andy. Codal Nicky. Codal Codal Nicky. That's that's a last name. Andy Codal Nicky, <laughs> offensive coordinator. Um, oh, I didn't. I didn't write down where he came from. Do you know where Kansas he came, from? came from? Kansas. Yeah. Kansas State. Kansas or just Kansas State? Kansas. I'm Kansas. sorry. Kansas. Are we excited about this? I think this is going to be just like one of those. This is the same thing where it's going to be Franklin's coaching book, and he's just a face. No, oh dear God, please, please don't. No, that can't be. No, frankly, no. This this has got to be because the deal is, Kotal Nicky runs a very um, different type of system than just about anybody else in the country. It's it's kind of a modified triple option with some spread concepts. Uh, it's got players going in motion pretty much every play, and it's all about misdirection, trying to trying to get the linebackers, uh, you know, to turn their attention where it shouldn't be. And then they get left on an Island and, and, and somebody beats them deep. Um, so no, I don't think that if this is the type of hire where you don't bring him in, unless you just say it's yours, go to town, make it your offense. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it turns out because I mean, obviously the pieces are there at least from quarterback and running back standpoint. So 
Okay, so I, I, I so we're we're excited then. You tell me, I because I wasn't excited. I don't think this is just to be honest. I, mean, I should uh, be excited about. It. I, um, it's a switch up. I think that I mean, I've, most of me is excited. Part of me thinks that there is still a chance this could totally crash and burn um, because the Kotal Nicky has only been with Lance Leipold his entire career. He's never he's never been uh, not with Lance Leipold. He followed him from Buffalo to Kansas, and then even before that, I forget what what FCS school they were at together. But uh, so it's hard to tell is this is this Kotal Nicky's offense or is it Leipold's? But the nice thing is is that it's been really productive for running backs, and he's been able to uh, support multiple really good running back. So I think that's good if you're both an Allen and or a, a Singleton fan, because we saw Kansas, Devin Neal, and, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to blank on the name of the uh, Highshaw. Devin Neal and Highshaw were both good there. And then at Buffalo, they had multiple running backs at the same time that were good. So I think this is this bodes well for the run game for sure. Um, I don't know what their pass game is going to look like because they can't seem to – get any good receivers to play at Penn State, which is crazy. When you know, you got, they're always shopping for those like big boundary guys, you know? Like yeah. McLean last year, they couldn't bring in Hayden Prather. I think this year they shot for uh, – I want to say Bo Collins went for Bo Collins and some other big tall outs. Did Fleming officially announce there? No, he's still crystal ball, though. He's okay. still crystal ball there. Yeah, he's, cool. he's exactly what they look for every year. A big guy that that uh, has underperformed where he's been before. But, hey, we're going to make him good here this time. Yeah, and Colby Young is also oh, okay. uh, crystal ball there as well. He's split between Penn State and Georgia. but Gross. <laughs> I'm a big Colby Young fan. You can't say that on this podcast. What? Uh, well, no, those landing spots I think are oh, gross yeah, yeah, for any for any wide receiver. I, I no, I, I like Colby Young a fair amount too. I, I well, have utmost confidence that Colby Young will be the first one thousand yard receiver at Georgia. I know there's no evidence or statistical evidence to support <laughs> this. This is all simple ad stuff. But I, dude, they got Carson Beck. You know, Brock Bowers is gone. Every running back tears an ACL. It could just be the Colby Young. Show. He'd be the uh, only surviving member. I love it. You lo- let me know when you're ready to put some money behind that statement. I will. I will gladly. Uh, I'll gladly <laughs> take it. Are you, you a Drew Lar guy? Do you like Drew Lar? I do. I did lower my rankings. I had to be real. It was not a good year. But I am a Drew yeah. Lar fan. I think he's. I think he. He's got it. I just need him to to do it. I think I think he just needs to do it. You don't think it's a good year? Like, wasn't wasn't every Penn State fan uh, pointing to the fact that he only had like two interceptions all year or something like that? It's such, it was such bland play calling. No, it was, it was so good. bad. Yeah, it, like, but like some of the sidearm stuff he did as a true freshman for the like those little bursts, like it was like that's amazing. That's a that's an NFL yeah. talent right there. And then this year, it's like they put him on training wheels for no reason. Yeah, I'm with you. He he definitely has some has some tools, but well, I wonder when they're gonna let him loose. Yeah. Do you remember uh, Austin pushed me to do CDC and not just do draft content and do like, you know, more college content. But do you remember when I tweeted out like this is gonna be my first CFF take ever and I tagged you and Jared for a commentary on it and you were pretty supportive. You were very nice about it. Jared was, <laughs> was always nice. Hit me with the like, I don't know, which means like Jared's like, I hate this. <laughs> no, I don't remember. That's great, man. Yeah. If, if Jared's like even slightly not positive then that's him trying to rip you apart yeah yeah he's holding back yeah it was uh the take just for me listen the take was uh i was, I was digging into all sophomore players and i came across blake shapen who had a phenomenal end of year when he filled in for okay uh, yeah gary bohannon and i was like blake shapen's gonna be a top 36 qb next year just you wait 
<laughs> Didn't work out. Hey, yeah, now, he's, now, he's, now he's with Jeff Levy, man. You were just a couple years early. That's how it goes, and I can hang my hat on that later on. <laughs> Even though I dropped, I think I dropped him across like almost all my leagues. Um, our last, nope, not our last school. We have a couple more schools. Uh, Michigan State. They took the, I just wrote, they took the entire Oregon State staff. Yeah, um, offensively they did. Yeah, and they got uh, Aiden Childs in the portal. They got him. Obviously, they brought him over. They brought in uh, Jack Velling too, the tight end that was pretty uh, popular at Oregon State. Uh, I still think they need some pass catching weapons here. I am, I am. Me and Corey talked about it last week. I haven't watched a single Michigan State game this year. I didn't really realize it until last week. So I have no idea how I feel about like the offensive line, like or anything. But how do you feel about Oregon State coming over here to in Michigan State's place? This offense. I again similar to Indiana. I think it's about of as good of a hire as Michigan State could make. Um, I think everybody is just thinking, oh, Oregon State was good this year. Now they've got all of Oregon State's best players and their staff, so Michigan State's going to be good this year. And I, I, just, I just don't think it's going to work out like that. I mean, like the entire offensive line for Michigan State hit the portal. That's not good, right? Um, so I think I think it's going to be a little and, – and, and Jonathan Smith is not like a, hey, I'm going to go – if he wasn't – if he didn't have good players – he wouldn't be getting great players out of the portal. He's lucky that he had Aiden Childs there at Oregon State and Jack Velling to bring over with him because he's not a guy that, that's like a big-time recruiter. So, um, I mean, this he won, on average, three games his first three seasons at Oregon State. So I'm just curious if Michigan State gives him time but because if he wins nine games in three years, the first three years of Michigan State, man, they're, they're probably going to can his ass. But, um, I, you know, I'm – I think it's I think it's a good hire because he's a developer. Uh, I don't love it for Aiden Childs. Um, I've been kind of vocal about this. I, I don't I don't think he's a great CFF coach. I think he's a hell of a football coach. He's kind of limited ceiling guy in CFF. It's like, hey, let's kind of he kind of fits the Big Ten. Let's let's kind of grind this clock out and let's uh, let's get out of here. You know, twenty twenty one to seventeen, and let's all be happy. So uh, a little worried about Aiden Childs, but at least at least he knows the offense. Yeah, I I don't even know who their wide receiver one is there. I really do. I'm Dude, I know. I, no, no, don't don't be embarrassed because I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I don't know if they've got any decent wide receivers coming in, or uh, but I, I think that they will be pretty active in the portal, and they can they can kind of sell this whole. We've got you know a top ten in his class quarterback, you know, to to throw you the ball. So. I think they're gonna they're gonna add some guys. I just don't know if any of them are gonna be you know elite type guys. Yeah, they got they got to wait till Lane Kiffin's done picking it over in South Carolina. Jeff <laughs> <laughs> Brown, um, heading over to Syracuse. Uh, Kyle McCord just uh, declared not declared excuse me just committed to going over there. Uh, Fran Brown's a head coach. He was the Georgia defensive back head coach. He also brings over Jeff Nixon, who was the offensive coordinator of the Giant. Oh, has offensive coordinator and was New York Giants running back coach. I had I have no idea how to feel about Jeff Nixon whatsoever, but love this for the defense for uh Fran Brown here. And Syracuse also still has like a Ronde Gaston, so they have Colin McCord already has weapons here. I'm not like I'm not a Ronde Gaston fan. I really am not, but like they have weapons. Like they have weapons at Syracuse. The point Allen's still there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised this this coach has done a good job of keeping players from hitting the portal. Um, you know, like you mentioned, those, those are two really good players for Syracuse to have, and they haven't, they haven't entered their name in the portal yet. 
Um, I, I don't know much about Nixon. He he worked under Matt Rule, who's now at Nebraska. He worked under him at Baylor, worked under him at Temple um, as his offensive coordinator at times and running backs coach at times. So I, I, I don't have a whole lot of info on him. I, I, I am a little worried that maybe if, if you're a Gadsden fan, that this probably isn't going to be a creative enough offense to – get him the ball in ways that we saw Robert and a and um, and Jason Beck do over the last couple of years. So my, my, I, I would kind of pump the brakes on Gaston. Plus he's, I mean, he's coming off season ending knee surgery too. So that's always, you know, kind of a, a red flag there. Is he going to beat out Cody Schrader? Is Cody Schrader still there? Cody Schrader? Cody, I'm sorry. Cody Schrader is running back from uh, Missouri. Uh, Oh, Dan Dan Valeri, the guy that took over towards the end of the season. No, the Is that quarterback you talking about? at Syracuse, who's somehow CFF relevant, but always. Oh, he just Schrader's out. Schrader's out. His career is over. He announced he's he's not playing in the bowl game either. So we have officially seen the last of Garrett Schrader. We moved on. Garrett Schrader, that was his first name. Yeah, I had him everywhere. Yeah. Had it's definitely everywhere. definitely McCord's job moving forward. Whether you like McCord or not, man, he's he's going to be the guy at Syracuse. I don't even know how I feel about this for Debbie. I because I, I think this is it. This isn't going to be Debbie. I think I think the biggest telling thing of this whole process with Kyle McCord was that there were a ton of big time programs out there: Florida State, uh, Miami. All these programs looked at him and said, "Nah, we're good. We're good. We're, we're swiping right. We're swiping yeah. right on you. We're gonna yeah. see you later." Yep. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Notre Dame here. Um, they hired Mike. Did they hire Mike Brown? I remember they expected it. They hire Mike Brown for the wide receiver coach there. Uh, I'm not sure as far as what they've done uh, position position coach wise. Uh, oh. I know that they their offensive coordinator uh, just I think this morning uh, ended up taking the Troy head coaching job. So things are kind of in flux there at Notre Dame. That's for sure. He did, and David at Solving Football uh, contributor here, uh, the recruiting team here for Cam Scan. He is a Notre Dame fan. He tweeted out works for me but with the offensive coordinator leaving yeah 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 man no no that's i i tweeted about it too like every notre dame fan is going to think this is addition by subtraction because i, I think every every irish fans like can we get a new offensive coordinator so they kind of got their wish so i'll be curious to see if they go after a big name because they swung and missed last they tried to hire Colin Klein uh, from Kansas State last time around and missed. They tried to hire Andy Ludwig from Utah, missed on him. They ended up just settling for their offensive line coach. But, I mean, the guy's the head coach now. But I'm curious to see where they go. I've been, like, always curious, too, because no one talks about um, – is it, is it Marcus Freeman's the head coach? That his name yeah. is Marcus Freeman? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Love it, actor. But, anyway, Marcus Freeman, <laughs> the head coach – like no one talks about being on the hot seat, but we've had two offenses now be disappointing. You know, like it's. I, I thought it was gonna be wheels up when he took over. He didn't, and then Sam Hartman came, and I was like, it's wheels up for sure. Sam Hartman's got like a good offensive line. He has assistance to allow him time to process and like do do better by giving him more time to throw. He looked yeah. worse. So I've been like wondering if he's on the hot seat, and now he's like, making new hires with OC. So yeah. are you? So are you telling me that this was the offensive coordinator's fault and not Marcus Freeman's fault, the head coach? Um, I, I don't think it was a good, it, it's Marcus Freeman's fault because he hired this guy to be his offensive coordinator. I think that was the problem. Um, that, that wasn't a great choice. I mean, he got Tommy Reese was handed to him, so he didn't have to make a decision there, but, um, you know, he's going to have a tough decision to make what I would love for him to do since he's already got, um, 
Riley uh, Leonard as his quarterback is to hire Duke's old offense coordinator, Kevin Johns, who was Riley's offensive coordinator there at Duke. Hire him over. Come over to to be his OC at Notre Dame because they've already shown that they can work pretty well together. I think Riley Leonard's a project, man. I think that yeah, they're not getting they're not getting a finished product like they got with with um, with Sam Howell. So um, I mean, I don't think he's like Tyler Buckner project, but you know, he's not going to be playing lacrosse next year. But I think that Riley Leonard's definitely um, you know working in progress. No, I, I think they're going to run the ball more than people think they are. Like, I think this is going to be a, a run-heavy team. I don't – I don't know his arm is not – like, it's not NFL quality, but I think he's a good runner. And then his, um, yeah. I, I dug up Mike Brown here. So he's the uh, wide receiver coach from Wisconsin. Before that, he's been Cincinnati since 2019. So okay. he helped out there with uh, Alec Pierce, Tyler Scott. Um, oh, man, I think Trey Tucker as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, has some success there with wide receivers at Cincinnati. One of those, one of those G five teams out raving about that kind of has their stuff together. They need their wide ready. receivers to get better. That's for sure. They've been bad at wide receiver for seems like four or five years now. Yeah, I'm writing the article series of Adam to the Q, and I'm probably not dropping this one for another three weeks. But there's there's a true freshman here that plays for Notre Dame that has gotten some starting reps here for the slot. He's a zero star recruit, walk on, dual athlete who's also plays lacrosse. So that's funny you made that joke earlier. Okay. <laughs> he's a lacrosse, he's a cross athlete that plays football, but he has gotten started football reps the last couple of weeks. And with this mass excess of players, like they've all left. Like make, uh, Rico, Rico Flores is over at UCLA. I don't know why he did that. But anyway, he's gone. Like, that's not an upgrade. But anyway, it's it's just Jaden Greyhouse and this other true freshman that's been getting a lot more playing time. So it's kind of a name to look out for. And uh, I'll, I'll be getting a little more information out here sometimes. Yeah, they, they brought in a guy, speaking of G5 to, to P5 uh, transition, they brought in a, a guy from uh, from FIU who's actually really good uh, wide cool. receiver. So um, I think he's got a chance to, to, to play there. And then, I mean, they've been going at guys like um, Jamal Banks from, from Wake Forest has been rumored there. And, and they've, they've targeted a few other guys. But they're definitely – I think they're going to add probably up to three or four portal wide receivers for sure. I don't know much about, I don't know much about your, uh, your, your uh, zero-star guy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to tune into the article. I got it. Jordan Faden, he started one game against USC in week seven. But week six to week 13, he's got 14 receptions for 19 targets for 207 yards and three touchdowns. Not a great uh, line, but when you factor in he's only ran 67 routes between that span, that's about – I'm going to average that to about 12 routes run a game. So, I don't know. It's, it's been kind of impressive his little late-round uh, production there. And with the mass exodus, I think he's worth like a super late ad, you know, especially with a deep relief. I think it's worth an ad. Yeah, it's trying to oh, they added Bo Collins too. That's who they got oh, from God. Clemson. That doesn't excite that doesn't excite me at all. What a grab. What? Upgrade from Tobias Merriweather. Uh give him that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a little lack of enthusiasm. I guess. I I guess. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you one question, though, here. Of the Pac-12 teams going over to these new conferences, like I, I think it's going to be kind of fun. Do you think the Pac-12 offense are going to be affecting the defenses wherever they're going, or do you think it's vice versa? Because it's been a very, like, I hate watching Pac-12 from, like, a scouting standpoint because their defenses are garbage, and i got to determine if, like, these court, these receivers are actually good or if the defenses are just bad. You know, it's one of those situations. Yeah. So I'm pretty pumped about not seeing Pac-12 defenses on the regular. But anyway, 
you think they're going to be influencing I, the leagues they're going to, or they're going to be influenced? I think they are the ones that are going to be influenced. And I, I feel pretty strongly about this. I, um, I, I mentioned it in, I can't remember if it was our, if it was our Slack or, or one of the other channels, but I, I'm really kind of fading all of the Pac-12 teams joining the Big Ten. Um, Oregon to a less degree, just because they're kind of ready from a talent perspective to make that transition. And they kind of, they can kind of run their, they kind of dictate what they want to run. UCLA, USC, even Washington a little bit. Um, those are just, they're a little bit softer programs, especially, especially USC, man. I, I, I just think that they're going to get drugged down into the mud a little bit in some of these games, especially those teams like Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota. <laughs> Dude, yeah, they're just they're going to they're going to they do a really good job of making it a rock fight. Every time I'm like, man, I just want to see Iowa go up against some, you know, spread, throw it all over the field type team. And what do they do? They just make it a rock fight and it's like, yeah, it's so boring. Um, but yeah, I think that they're going to they're going to squeeze the clock on 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 a lot of these teams that want to go fast and they're going to be like, holy crap, why is it 17 degrees and sideways rain happening right now in Madison, Wisconsin? I hate this and I want to get out of here as soon as I can. So uh, yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's definitely going to have an impact from that standpoint. I think. You guys heard it's here for me calling those California boys soft. <laughs> <laughs> the LA guys, man, those LA guys, they, they ain't ready. They ain't ready for Madtown in late November. They don't want no, they don't want any part of that. <laughs> What about you? They went, to LA, you? They, they went to LA for a reason, man, because it's warm and sunny and <laughs> yeah. there's an ocean nearby. Not because they're playing in the fields against corn fed guys that aren't afraid of it being 17 degrees yeah. outside. Yeah. And that's like the only thing they got going the whole week. They're looking forward to football. In LA right. Guys. Yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait to bash this guy's head in when it's it's snowing. That's their that's their dream. Yeah. Uh what about Utah? You think Utah transitions okay? They have a pretty solid defense. It's well, they're going. They're going to the Big Twelve, Mike. So I think they'll transition just fine. Not 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 being in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but well, I do think you. I do think Utah be pretty good in the Big Twelve. Okay, Utah, Oregon, they're okay. Everybody else, they're in danger. Um. Yeah. Sure. Let's go with that. Okay. All right. Definitely <laughs> Colorado. Definitely Colorado. Um. Let's talk. Let's talk disappointing systems, right? So. Uh, t- Teams that we're looking forward to going year two or year three that we thought were going to be like really kind of kicking up. Uh, so like new systems, like the first one I wrote down was at like Texas Tech. Zach Kittley, I felt like Debbie Debate talked about Zach Kittley every single week for a good six months about a year ago. Um, Texas Tech, their first year, I thought was pretty good. I don't know if pulled up in front of me, but I know they played like five or six ranked teams. And like in all those games, like they were competing. They weren't out of the fight at all during those games. Yeah. This year, though, it looked terrible. What do you think about Texas Tech's future here and Zachary? Yeah, it's it has been more disappointing than what I thought it would be whenever he took that job. I mean, Western Kentucky was just a machine uh, with him calling the plays there. So definitely disappointing. But they they have had a ton of quarterback injuries. Tyler Shuck has made a glass. Uh, Baron Morton continued to get injured. So they just and, – and their, their third-string guy is not a – is not a division one quarterback. I don't think so. Uh, it shouldn't be anyways, but it's, it's just a, I, I think that kind of stalled them out, but they did a, they did an interesting job of, of kind of changing the, what they were, the, the, that offense as a whole. And they, they went from the crazy fast air raid to, Hey, let's hand the ball to Taj Brooks 37 times. And uh, that's going to be our new offense. So, 
Um, I think they'll look better in, in the uh, um, going into next season, but I, I'm, I'm definitely concerned because Kitley has not progressed the way that I thought he would when he took that job. Uh, I, th- um, I think that's on us, man. As as a CFF team, we were we were touting them like crazy. So I, I think it, it just made sense to think that they were going to be great. The, uh, did they get Josh Kelly? Is, that, is this where Josh? They Kelly did. Went? Yeah, yeah. I think that's Jaron Bradley goes. Their their entire starting uh, wide receiver unit, uh, Bradley, Price, uh, and Loic Fungi all went to the uh, to the portal. Um, so they're going to have an entirely new, but they got, they got what Hudson coming in. I think he's still committed to them. Micah Hudson, yes. um, five-star wide receiver. So Our wide as long receiver as, one. As, yeah, as long as he doesn't get flipped, I mean, I, I would think that maybe it's him and, and Josh Kelly and, you know, they, they find a guy to run the slot. So, um, I think that's probably what we're looking at for next year. Uh, speaking of miles price, uh, who was, I, I came on here saying where you, Find it ironic that Miles Price was Crystal Ball to WKU, which he was for about like a week and a half. But he actually really he was committed to Indiana. But it would have been funny if he went to WKU. Miles Price committed to Indiana. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Signetti's um, trying to pull some guys, man. He's not doing bad. Yeah. Uh, going over to Wisconsin, uh, the Dairy Ray. A little disappointing mm. first year, right? Uh, Tanner Mordecai was. A lot of fun at SMU. He was not a lot of fun in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, man, you get a guy from from Dallas, Texas, who's not used to those types of conditions. Maybe it doesn't work out. This is the same 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 scenario I painted with the uh, some of the California boys going into into Madison, Wisconsin. And you got Tyler Van Dyke now going to Wisconsin. Probably his last hurrah. Do you, do you think year two is going to be looking up here? I think I think he's a better quarterback. Uh, I, I think they have upgraded the quarterback position. I'll say that Tyler Tyler Van Dyke has at least had his moments uh, at the P five level. So I think they got more, a little bit more to work with there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty in year one, and I, I kind of wrote about that in the in the coaching article that you that you referenced earlier. One of the last things I said about Phil Longo is that Phil Longo is really good against crappy defenses and when he faces like a defensive coordinator that kind of has his head on straight and knows that his offense is not all that complex and there's ways to just you know drop eight if he wants to Phil Longo's offense all of a sudden looks really really average and I think that's kind of what we saw they were good against the bad teams last year and they were awful against just decent defenses we gotta fade ACC coaches going somewhere else we gotta fade them off the <laughs> <laughs> Robert and I ever lose NC State, we're done with him. But no, I'm not done with him. <laughs> I can't, I can't, quit, I can't quit my guy. I'm a big Robert and I guy. I am too. I am too. He, Speaking of him, we're actually heading over to NC State right now. Where yeah. last year was disappointing, and they told MJ Morris we're going a different direction. They bring in Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, and they also bring in tight end Justin Jolly, who I am very excited about uh, from UConn. Yeah, I okay. I'll put it this way: I'm while I'm not a huge Robert, I'm a huge Robert and I fan from a fantasy perspective because I know it's similar to Dana Holgerson. I know what I'm going to get. I know I want the quarterback because he doesn't care about his life and he'll run him 40 times in a game if he needs to. So the amount of volume he's going to get from his quarterback is awesome. And I mean, Brendan Armstrong, actually, if you go back, look at some of the numbers towards the second half of the season, when they, when, when MJ Morris said, you know what, I'm done, I'm going to take my red shirt. 
Armstrong was actually really fantasy relevant. He was pretty good. But also, you know, you can target at least one wide receiver and they funnel targets to one guy. And man, did they find really creative ways to get KC Concepcion on the ball. I mean, this is a guy that, towards the end of the season, he was carrying it like seven to 10 times a game. Uh, and also getting, you know, 10 plus targets a game. So I love that from a fantasy perspective and totally on board with the Justin Jolly uh, mention there, because I think that, you know, we saw Aronde Gadsden in that kind of tight end hybrid type position. I think that's exactly what Jolly could play there. I think him and Juice Farine are going to kind of battle it out to um, to be that guy. So I think that I think that could be really fun. Yeah, so I'm not just for listeners out there. I I have not reviewed Kevin Conception's film since like mid season, um, because I know like first half of the season I was just not seeing it. I think he was like more of a the only guy with a heartbeat worth throwing the ball to. So I'm not really sure from a talent fit if I think he has NFL tools, but certainly a guy that one has not been recruited over, and they definitely haven't found someone better than the transfer portal. So those are two really good indicators for him. And then just to talk about Justin Jolly, Justin Jolly was a tight end from UConn. He finished the last four games last year, uh, averaging 10 targets a game. He was, I think, probably tight end one during that span. If not, he was a tight end one during that span. His eight-out was like he was used a deep threat as a true freshman early on in the season. And then about halfway through the season, they used him more in short area stuff. And then he just took off. Like he was a good yak threat. He was a very good short area tight end. And Robert and I does have success with tight ends here. Talking about like a Rondé Gaston, um, Jelani Woods from UVA. Those are two mm-hmm. tight ends there. And on the other side, Grayson McCall, the quarterback they're bringing in, also is not afraid to throw into the tight end. Isaiah likely is an NFL tight end for the Ravens in the fifth round draft pick too. So I, I do think Justin Jolly, as of like right now today, I think he's the number two in targets for this offense. Yeah. Uh, I, and to to kind of – Expand on your point about Concepcion. I'm I'm a huge huge fan of his. I think there's, I think there's top ten CFF wide receiver next year. I think it's definitely in his range of outcomes. Um, I, I I could even be convinced that he may be a top five CFF wide receiver. I, I'm just that that big on him. He's good, man. I just like that. I need to review him though. I really do. It's like I got him so deep in my rankings. I got to make up my mind. If I want to put him up. In uh heading over to tennessee you wrote down tennessee here disappointing year we talked a little bit about a pre-show i thought maybe the people were lied to about joe Milton. and i'm gonna say this too i live in virginia and i i got a commercial with joe Milton's face on it and i just cannot believe joe Milton's commercials <laughs> were coming all the way over here to virginia and i was like this guy must have got a really good nil package um but anyway joe Milton heading off to uh, the senior bowl, definitely going to the NFL draft, but was very disappointing for Tennessee this year and very much got exposed. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's why I wrote Tennessee and, and I, I'm not going to lie. I'm somebody like Chris K that I was like, you know what? I think that this, I think that this offense and, and what Hypo runs, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You could throw any of us out there and we could still be productive as the quarterbacks because it's just a system play. And clearly Joe Milton proved that, Totally wrong. And why Josh Heupel continues to think that he's capable of being a, a starter at Tennessee baffles me because um, he's not he's not good. But I think I was just blown away by how bad they were. I was looking it up. They actually, in SEC play, they ranked 11th in the SEC in scoring. That's how bad they were. Did you realize that they were that? that Kentucky scored more points than they did in SEC hey, play. We're always on top. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a fact. 
<laughs> but it just it makes me wonder, like, um, you know, Alex Golesh was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee prior to last season, and then he went to South Florida, and he didn't skip a beat and took that South Florida team that had basically no decent parts to it and made them a really, you know, fantasy relevant, but I mean, a high scoring offense. And then all of a sudden Tennessee has trouble and all of a sudden they just become a run team and they can't even complete passes downfield. And I, I get it. Joe Milton's definitely probably the main part of that, but have my concerns when, when they lost Golish, does it, does it change for 2024 with, with Nico taking over as the quarterback? So it can't be worse, right? They got to be better no. than 11th in, in the SEC in scoring. That's funny because that's how I view like Van, Vandergrift going to Kentucky. Like, I don't know, it can't be worse than Devin Leary. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I hated it at first, and I was like, you know what? Like, why not? Why, why not? <laughs> Take a shot. Um, yeah, and then headed over to Kentucky, too, because you also thought Liam Cohen, well, we'll just say Devin Leary was very disappointing what we thought. I, I was hoping for 2021 Devin Leary. I was not mm-hmm. hoping for 2022 Devin Leary, and that's what we got at Kentucky. Um, Liam Cohen, though, I we were talking earlier show, and as a fan of, I went to Kentucky as a fan of Kentucky. I never knew who Liam Cohen was until Will Levis showed up, and that was like a great first year here. This was like he comes back from the Rams. We all thought it was going to be great, and we got we got seven and six. Right. So, so t- tell me, tell me what you think about Liam Cohen in Kentucky. Well, twenty twenty one, he was. It seemed like. Kentucky kind of struggled with hiring him as the OC. And and I I put a lot of stock in the fact that like he made, you know, a lot of us kind of like Joe Milton, a lot of us had our doubts about Will Levis as a player. And then he made him like actually pretty good. And then the second Liam Cohen left, Will Levis kind of sucked again. And we're like, well, we told you this guy wasn't very good. So I was like, well, maybe it was because of Liam Cohen. And then he comes back and, and you're right. I mean, they just, they just didn't look good last year. I, I think what was, concerning is that they the pass game was just irrelevant really i mean they've got good wide receivers right i mean that's 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 a program that's that's recruited the wide receiver position actually really well and there was reports too like i want to say like week seven or week eight where um liam colin was asking was asking leary about plays they ran at nc state he's comfortable running like he was like, oh, oh gosh, oh god, that's never that's never good when you're no, like, yeah, scratch true. what I'm doing. Hey, what can you do? Is there anything you can do that is <laughs> that is going to gain us positive yardage? Through the, that's never good. Do you do you think Barry and Brown sticks around, or do you think he hits the portal? He hasn't yet, which kind of like, and I haven't heard any rumors either about him hitting the portal. So I think he sticks around. Although, do I think he should? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I think. But maybe it's another thing too. When just looking at the landscape and be like, "Where else should I go?" Like, it's not like it's great out there. How do you feel about Trip uh, Tranum? He's not a first round supplemental pick. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but you know, Kentucky just turns out day three power backs. That's what we do. Uh, but on the, like the spectrum of um, like Benny Snell to Chris Rod to um, Ray Davis, I'm leaving out. I'm leaving out Lynn Bowden. That was a weird year. But on the spectrum of those three running backs, like I don't think I think I don't think he's better than Ray Davis. I think he's the worst of the four. So okay. I, I'm excited for him being the power back there. I feel confident in our run game now. Like I think he'll be the next, you know, a thousand yard rusher that we have with ten touchdowns, you know, the way we do it at Kentucky. But as far as like yeah, I I guess I'm excited because I know that we are, our run game is now safe again. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's like, okay, 
say what you will about chip and he's got some limitations, but it's a great system. It's a good fit. And we, they handpicked him. So it's like, okay, we, we got our guy now, so we can just plug in that, hopefully plug in that thousand yards, 10 touchdowns and, and move along. You know, I just, I think the questions remain, can we get Barry and Brown relevant again, Dane key, um, you know, Jamari Macklin who transfers in from North Texas, you know, can any of those guys unlock a little bit of the pass game here or is, or, or are they just doomed and Brock Vandegrift just isn't going to be able to get it done? I don't I, know. Again, you can't be worse than Devin Leary. So I'm just expecting, <laughs> like, I think that's, uh, like, my baseline is just a copy and paste, like, that type of performance for Brock Vandegrift, too. Um, and Jamar Macklin, uh, Tegan Robinson, do you know off the top of your head if he has any eligibility? I think he's out, right? He's probably. I, I, I think he is done. Done, yeah. Not, 90, 98% sure he's done. Okay, I'm sure for the bowl game they'll give him like a Shrine Bowl invite, and that's where he'll end up. But I think Macklin's going to be the third guy there. I think that'll be the trio. Of yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, like, because Macklin played on the boundary the whole time uh, this year at North Texas, and I know that they they sounded like they. You think this is Barry and Brown's opportunity to move into the slot? Yeah, I think they would, and they probably can scheme touches a little bit better and make yeah. him more of an athlete. That's what I want. I want to see the. The Luther Burden treatment is what I want to see yes. from, yes. from Barry and Brown. Hey, we've we know who our best player is. Let's put him in the slot. Let's find creative ways to get him the ball. And uh we'll we'll just scheme up stuff for him. Liam, make it happen, please, please. Let's do it. Please. Um, I added one last minute here. I threw Nebraska at you for a second. Nebraska's been a bit of a talk in the slack today. Um Matt Rule was there, and I don't know if you're in the recruitment channel, but Denver Yola flipped. And then me and uh, oh, he actually did he respond back? No, he did not. Of course he didn't. All right, me and Austin started talking back and forth because Dylan Riola flips over to Nebraska, and Austin said he loved it. And I'm over here like, why? What do you like about Nebraska more than Georgia? Like, I don't. Am I really? missing something? Like, I, I know Matt Rule was the man at Baylor, but that was like that was 2019. We got NIL, we got transfer portal, we got COVID guys now. Like, he's been terrible over in the NFL, and in his first year. At Nebraska, like that wasn't good, and I know they had Jeff Sims, but I must I would have rather they kept Casey Thompson than bring in Jeff Sims. At least Casey Thompson yeah. not afraid of slinging that ball around. Yeah, so. I, I would be. I I, I can't. Uh, I, I won't. I'll refrain from going after Austin uh, since he's not oh. here to defend himself. <laughs> uh, but I would be curious to to pick his brain on on what about it that he likes for Rayola. Um, Matt Rule has not been a good um, quarterback developer. And there's a, a dirty little secret out there that Satterfield, his offensive coordinator, uh, is literally maybe the worst quarterback developer in in all of college football. He's terrible. Um, so, yeah, this just seems like, hey, we've got a big bag of NIL. We're going to pay it to you. Your uncle is the offensive uh, offensive line coach. Your dad was really good here. Come start a thing and and, and make Nebraska good again. Um, but there's not a whole lot from a development standpoint that would really, um, you know, really give me confidence that that's going to work out. It just feels like two years from now, we're going to look back and be like, you remember that time that Dylan Rayola flipped from Georgia to Nebraska? That was weird. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's going to be like Quinn's one year at Ohio state. Like he runs out there, hands off the ball one time, collects like $1 million, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then goes somewhere that's better. Um, no, but but from a program standpoint, though, do you think Nebraska – like, I was disappointed. Like, I don't know. I feel like Nebraska gets overhyped every single year. Uh, but 
it felt a little bit special this year without Scott Frost. Like, do you think they, they get on track here year two? No, no, I think it's um, not, not offensively. I mean, I just think that they're limited. They, Matt Rule hired his best friend to be offensive coordinator. He didn't make a good decision uh, as far as who should actually take that job. I expected them to be pretty bad on offense last year, and and they were, um, and they still have the same offensive staff. So I, I think that, and you got a true freshman playing in, in the Big Ten. It's just, it's 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 tough tough to expect them to be that much better this season. Um, I mean, unless Rayola is just you know, unless he's just Pat Mahomes, Chiefs Pat Mahomes, and and he's incredible. But I just I'm not going to count on that. I'm trying to look at their schedule. It's 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 going to be pretty hard. <laughs> twelve in there though, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean you got. I mean I'm I'm guessing they probably got USC, but hopefully they don't have like Oregon. Hopefully they don't have, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, and Iowa, and all that. That's you just have, you have Colorado, uh, Northern Iowa first three games, and it goes to uh, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers. Okay, well at least they they've given him a runway to to get something started there. Yeah. That's not exactly that's not exactly a murderer's row. First bye week, and then they get Indiana week seven. Then it's Ohio State, UCLA, and then another bye week, and then USC, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin, and Iowa to finish off. I actually, that's not a bad schedule. That's not terrible. No, they they avoid Penn State, Michigan, Oregon. That's that's not terrible. Yeah. Okay. Good luck. Good luck, Dylan. Real life. <laughs> I hope it works out. I would have loved to see it at Georgia, but. Nate, that wraps it up, dude. You want to like plug anything that you're working on right now, or? Um, I will have once once kind of the dust settles on the bowl games and um, the the transfer portal closes in January. I'll have my kind of pre-spring uh, stock up, stock down report coming out that I do each year, just to kind of give an idea of some guys that I think have uh, increased their their value from at least a CFF perspective. And, uh, and, and guys that have made maybe had some things that didn't go their way. So uh, Jared and I are kind of working um, to put together a, a dynasty podcast. So that's more dynasty CFF focus instead of um, season long. So we're hoping to kind of um, get that kicked off in January. So those are kind of the main things that I'm working on right now. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And I, I can't wait for your coaching articles and to reference it for about three months straight in the summer. <laughs> through our conference awesome. i felt you, yeah, got, I felt, you guys rocked it last year with with some of those i loved i loved you guys kind of giving me okay. the uh the bump and and uh and taking a deep dive into my work that was awesome i appreciate that i felt like i was so smart i was like no one else does conference preview series we're so smart and then <laughs> like i could not listen to a lot of podcasts i find out i'll cover three of the summer schools everyone everyone does a preview <laughs> <series>. <laughs> but we were like really three episodes deep i was like we can't yeah. Can't call it quits. This is it. This is our schedule the next couple months. Oh, man. But anyway, I can't wait for your research, Nate. I love your work, and I love having you on the podcast here. Thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate, it, man. It was it was a lot of fun. I loved. Uh, I, I I wish I would have uh, remembered to do my uh, Canadian uh, voice impression just to make it sound like Corey was still here for for at least a segment. But I forgot. Yeah. So maybe he next didn't time. say sorry enough. By the way, I didn't, I didn't even call him <laughs> out. I don't know, like he, he's. he's <laughs> He's, uh, he's Portuguese, but like I don't think he's enough Canadian. Either. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> guys, from Nate and from Mike, thanks for joining us. Good night and good luck.